Know the Source on One Radio Network. Well, very pleasant. Uh, good morning to you. And how are things? It is um, Solstice Eve. Did you know that Solstice tomorrow? I think the longest day of the year, something like that. I've always had really cool things happen on June 21st. I'm expecting something really good tomorrow. So we'll see. Um, good morning. This is Patrick Timpone and OneRadioNetwork.com. It's a Tuesday morning. It's going to be, uh, the weather maven say it's going to go back up to maybe 105 today in Texas. We've got this huge karmic um, blast of something going on. And so that's kind of fun. Go outside and, and uh, walk around. We, Doodle and I went outside for a little walk this morning and do some of our little standing yoga stuff. And uh, it was 80 degrees out there, according to the temperature thing on my porch. 80 degrees at 7 o'clock in the morning. It's crazy. Well, just uh, as so it goes. Our phone lines are open and uh, working again. And that number is 888-663-6386. A little bit later on at 1 o'clock this afternoon, we got two shows today. Brandon Smith is here. Brandon will be here this afternoon. He lives up in Montana. And I don't know if you've heard of this ESG thing. It's called environmental, um, environmental, um, um, uh, I forget the second one, um, S, and then G is for governance, and it's all about a woke technology and how they, 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 they figure out how to make the people like Budweiser and Target and these other corporations get crazy. It's really fascinating the way they've set this thing up and who's behind it where the, and where the bodies are buried. And uh, Brandon keeps up with this stuff. He's a cool guy. So we're going to talk to him about ESG. It's environmentals. I gotta, I'll go back there and see what the S is. Anyway, that'll be this afternoon. First up this morning is a good friend we've never met, but he's just a, just a heck of a guy. It's Bear uh, Paul Lando. He's up in a beautiful part of the world at the border there of Oregon and uh, California. He has a website and lots of great products and uh, great uh, chats up there and just a cool company, Alpha Vedic. And he studied more stuff. He was a serial student for a long time, uh, psychology, Utah State, uh, Stanford Medical School, Oriental Medicine, Pacific College of Naturopathic Medicine, Kinesiology, uh, Body Integrative Medicine. He, he, he Actually, he doesn't tell many people but Bear, this is really about just there are so many cute girls in, in school you didn't want to quit, right? That's what it's about? Um, yeah, and also uh, <laughs> the university that I spent the most time in was great uh, next to a great ski resort. Oh, sure. So, uh, yeah, sure. I milked it as long as I could. <laughs> and it says on your website here, by the way, good morning. Thanks for coming on the show. You got that summer solstice little sunshine on you this morning. You're looking great there. Yeah, I need to put a pair of sunglasses on here. Uh, sun's peering in the window, but hopefully it'll rise above the window pane here pretty soon. I was looking on your website this morning just to refresh on some of your background. And you're a surfer, too, and a skier, but you're also a surfer. Yeah, you like to surf a lot? Yeah, that pretty much dictated... Uh, most of uh, what I've done in life, you know, it's why I raised my family in Fiji and Hawaii and uh, 
you know, uh, career and everything else came secondary and had the boys out on surfboards, uh, you know, as soon as they could walk. So they surpassed my surfing skills pretty quick. And what did you do out in Fiji? You know, um, I was uh, working in emergency medicine, you know, my first gig in the medical field before I turned to alternative medicine, went to nature path college and everything. So hmm. um, we went to check out Fiji because uh, I always wanted to surf there. And that was uh, before Tavaru and, you know, uh, all the surf camps that made it popular. So I was uh, one of the first uh, guys there to be surfing. So I was touring the island. And uh, there's a gentleman who owned a big resort in Lizard Island, which is off the Great Barrier Reef. And he was putting up a health resort uh, in Fiji. And he wanted me to run the whole thing hmm. and uh, to get a permanent work visa from the Fijian government. I had to agree to provide emergency medical services to this one uh, uh, village, you know, on a remote part of the south side of VT Lebu there and uh it was awesome and then once my kids started coming around we thought well basically we're raising them Fijian which you know might have been a good idea actually the way the world's gone yeah Fijian people are freaking awesome and uh but we thought you know maybe we'll go to one of the Hawaiian uh outer islands and back then they weren't as developed you know we're in the 70s and early 80s here so uh, so we ended up in Hawaii, and we all got to surf, and uh, hmm. that's what my kids consider home. <laughs> they're in Hawaii. Uh, they've, they're down in Santa Barbara now oh. because uh, when it came to college years, I kind of admonished, admonished them that uh, college was kind of a waste of time, but, you know, I'd send them through if they really wanted. Uh, they wanted to experience uh partying and girls and uh surfing on the mainland so they choose chose uh santa barbara you in california santa barbara the ucsb uh because that you know checked all the categories that they wanted so we all moved to santa barbara together for a while and then deb and i finally migrated back up north to where we actually grew up and here we are and what's the nearest city to where you live now um, well, it's really not a city. It's a kind of small town. It's Crescent City, which is the northernmost coastal town in California. Huh. And then if you head uh, on 199 towards Grant Pass, Oregon East on the Smith River, go through the big redwoods there um, and, and then cross over a few bridges and go up a remote river canyon, uh, that's where we live. So, you know, we're away from the coast a little bit. Uh, but still have, you know, access within an hour and something. And But we're closer to Oregon here. Mm -hmm. But we're right on the river, which we like. Got to be on water somehow. A really pretty country up there, isn't it? Just, phew, man, phew. Really beautiful, huh? It's actually one of the last uh, largest remaining wilderness areas in uh, continental U.S. Wow. And uh, the river especially the south fork uh, where we live there's nobody here we're all off grid there's hardly anybody up here um it's considered uh by many the cleanest river in the country and if you saw it you'd believe it is it's uh okay. crystal clear and, uh wildlife uh, that you just don't see anywhere and there's nobody up here and it's a convergence of three mountain ranges that all happen right where we live here and the native americans called it the 
Klamath not and considered it a very sacred vortex because mm. of the energetics. It's all coming together here, the clean water. So when you come up the canyon to where we live, you know, you'll see waterfalls everywhere and Whoa. this beautiful river. Man. Yeah. So it's pretty special. Oh, it sounds like. And so you uh, you get springs out of the ground and that's what you drink, Bear? Oh, absolutely. Wow. Uh, we drink primal water. Wow. Uh, it comes out of the spring right uh, by the house here as, um, you know, comes out of uh, miles of just pure bedrock, uh, you know, right out of the earth there. And then also our river hmm. is uh, the South Fork here. A lot of the water just comes up subterranean. So even in the end of summer, when you'd expect the river to start waning a bit, it still stays up because the water just comes up from, you know, primal sources from the earth. And then it stays ice cold too, hmm. uh, even you know, when it's 100 degrees out. So... If you're into Wim Hofing, it's a perfect, uh, <laughs> perfect situation here. Oh, yeah. So you can jump in the water and, and it's like 50 degrees or 40 degrees? Oh, yeah. Ice cream headache as soon as you jump in. No But, kidding. you know, in the summertime when we're, you know, laboring outside, which we do a lot because we have a farm here, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we just run down and jump into our swimming hole. We've got a nice crystal clear hole oh, that's man. about 20 feet deep. and. Mm -hmm. It's uh, pretty special. I, I keep telling you, you got to come up. I here. know. I you know I'm gonna, you know, my, my ship's gonna come in soon. You know, my financial ship. So I'm just gonna buy some property up there. I, I saw it in a dream. It's just coming in, choo choo, <laughs> coming in the harbor. <laughs> nice. Yep. I saw one of my if screenplays. You can see it. It'll happen. Baby, baby, baby. Yeah. But no, we have three screenplays now, and. Um, Working on the working on the fourth one. <laughs> I know I've been tracking those, and uh, I'm really, uh, uh, yeah, really fun stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'd love to see it make it to the screen there. And you know, I uh, handed some of that over to my son, who's uh, you know kind of a guy that's Into on it. the other side of the camera. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah, he loves it. Yeah, we're gonna do. We're gonna do a, you know a made-for-Hollywood-type, uh, big-screen production, Hollywood-type, uh, you know, about the virus. And that, that's going to be our next one, I think. And we have a lot of folks like you who are going to help, and I'm excited about it. And it's going to be quite a project, and I think we found a good attorney to play that role and, you know, to help us go through mm -hmm. the the, the, uh, the landmines of the whole legal system, which is going to be a big part of the film. But... Yeah, man, we're going to get that made, baby. I mean, I think Oliver Stone is going yeah. to like this. I think he's going to like it. <laughs> that would that would be amazing. Know. You know, um, as you're aware, you know, we, we've had some good documentary type things. And I was in that movie uh, that Andrew Kaufman produced and, uh, you know, Marcy filmed. And I think they did a fantastic job. Um, I was honored to be part of that. Um, and, but it gets a little bit more into the research and things and documentary style that, you know, was appropriate at that time when we we're right in the middle of the big lie. Sure. Um, but now if you can put that to the screen in a nice Oliver Stone sort mm -hmm. of JFK story. Yes. Yeah. Now that's, that's going to reach way, way Ooh, more people. Yeah. 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 And it's going to get, um, the rest of the folks that are. I just need a little bit of nudging to, mm -hmm. you know, come on, it's time to wake up now. Yeah. Um, you know, then 
if they're not, you know, ready for just looking at hardcore data proving the lie, you know, tell them a good story and yeah. and you know that'll get it's going to be a good sure. story and a lot of drama and everything though. You know the you know the the protagonist will have a relationship and you know going through the whole thing and the courtroom drama. Um, it was just I don't. Did you ever see a movie called Chicago Seven? Um, it was about Aaron Sorkin wrote it. It was about the remember the Chicago things when we were all up in Chicago. Oh, of and course were, I do. They were beating us over the head with their belly clubs. Well, it's it's all about the the uh, the trial of uh, of all these people that were uh, indicted over that thing. You know, over that. Right. But, yeah. That's right. that's the kind of the model I'd like want to use for this. It was, brilliant movie if you ever get a chance to watch it and and um, yeah i i think i did uh, a while back and uh, -huh. uh, uh the seven of course that was when um when i was in college and everything wasn't it 60s and yeah it was 70s probably late and, late 60s early 70s wasn't it wasn't it uh yeah abby hoffman and wasn't bill yeah. ayers one yeah. of the uh he was chicago seven he i was. know there's jerry rubin jerry rubin and of course bill a bill ayers of course is the one that groomed uh uh, President Barry and uh, Big Mike, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. the first the first man. So, um, <laughs> Big Mike, Bear Paul Lando said that I didn't say that. Bear, I'm just kidding. Uh, Big Mike, <laughs> isn't that hilarious? That whole thing is just like, Ooh. yeah. So, yeah, we're gonna do that. We'll figure Former it out. Former linebacker for Oregon State University Beavers. <laughs> Uh, uh, Bear, and become first lady. Becomes first lady only in America. Only right? in American can you become first lady, man. <laughs> like Big Mike. Oh my God! If you'd like to join the show, uh, call us triple eight six six three sixty three eighty six. Email Patrick at oneradionetwork dot com. Well, looking back, you know, on the whole, whatever this thing was, the last three years, uh, knowing what you know, and you know a lot about. Uh, you know, the boys and where the bodies are buried and who they are and how they get away with stuff. Are you, uh, how would you gauge your emotion towards it? Surprised, business as usual, do you, um, what's your opinion on on the, the psychological operation that really happened, uh, um, how they pulled this off? Uh, how do you look at it? What's your take on it, how it all happened? Well, no surprise, we knew 20 years, uh, when I say we, you know, I travel in a small circle of folks um, that comprised uh, high-level medics, mm. you know, that I worked with in those circles. And then also because of some of my client base, I got introduced to some folks that are actually, you know, became my clients that were uh, part of the cabal, you know, because they don't go to you know your your neighborhood um emergency room you know they they seek out people that aren't indoctrinated into the ama stuff mm -hmm. so i got to know some of those folks and uh long story short one of them was uh up in the g7 circles mm. and um actually had a good heart because he wanted to do some special things and uh by the way the screenplay for this the movie rights were actually given about this story which i can't go too much into wow. but um because he was trying to do some good things and considered a genius in that realm he put me on a board of banks international banks uh, to oversee some humanitarian funding and things 
And uh, so I got a real eyeful as far, and he was dealing with prime ministers, all sorts of, you know, uh, muckety mucks. So I got a bird's eye view of um, not only from the medical field, but from the financial world and got a lot of things from the horse's mouth. So 20 years prior to the uh, virus lie, we knew that there would be a biological false flag. Hmm. Just like we knew that there would be something happening on 911 uh, with specifics two weeks before it even happened. Wow. And, uh, you know, so yeah, no surprises. However, uh, I did spend my career days with my head down because, you know, we're just trying to do work to help people. And we knew that uh, if you did things differently and got results, which we did, then they come after you. And I saw colleagues you know and related circles that didn't fare so well because they got out and made a little bit too much noise mm. so um uh you know the the only thing that i'm a little surprised and dismayed about at the same time is that so many people got duped because you know we were making great efforts to um draw attention to a lot of aspects of this whole agenda and we just figured by the time they got around to it, you know, it wouldn't have any steam. But, you know, people just still bought it hook, line and sinker. And of course, it's because they own the media. And here we are. There's still people that are believers. Mm. And the way I disproved to myself that the, uh, you know, the virus lie was a lie is because I lived through that whole AIDS epidemic, you know, the you know, when that was peaking and uh, uh, good Dr. Anthony was, you know, up to his neck in that one. So I was already aware of him and also in clinical practice was able to prove out uh, by managing hundreds of cases of AIDS uh, that it had nothing to do with the virus. So, you know, you start connecting dots when you're on the ground actually doing the work. You don't even have to read research papers and things. You just know, yeah. Wow. So, so then you feel like this whole Wuhan lab thing, which is uh, emerging again, right? They're trying to run with this um, mm -hmm. thing again that, you know, are going to blame the Chinese Wuhan lab. But there's no evidence, is there, Bear, that that thing ever, that they ever created some kind of a, molecule if you want no, to use that term and and yeah. release it in the air it's just not never happened did it no it, no no ever no, it's another decoy it's another, another decoy one. wow yeah um i'll i'll say this though they mm -hmm. do create frankenstein kind of things as best they can mm -hmm. in laboratories mm -hmm. but those are the elements that end up going in the medicine mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they need a delivery system so they need to create a boogeyman and then, of course, stories like you just mentioned down the road when some people start getting wise and so to take the heat off the, the main culprits and they say, oh, look over here in this lab over yeah. in some other country and everything. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they were concocting something in Wuhan. Uh, you know, we know they're concocting things in the labs in Ukraine on the Russian border. Sure. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and then those become biowarfare as far as I know. Um you know, you need that um, injected delivery system in order to get it in people's bodies. And then, of course, what's in most of those is uh, really about genetic engineering. Mm -hmm. uh, 
not so much introducing bugs. Yeah. So if I understand it, and correct me, in talking to Cowan um, and other and the others, um, that um, it's not even possible to create a, I don't know how to use the term bear, living virus in a lab, put it in the air as advertised, and you would breathe it in, get sick, and then it, then spread it to me. I mean, that, that model doesn't even work, does it? No, and even if they could concoct <laughs> such a creature, which they can't. Um, <laughs> but they can't. You know, it would, and, and then if we did breathe it in the air, uh, you know, it would be like throwing a baby into a volcano. You know, it wouldn't have a chance of surviving uh. all the defenses of our body and, and the things it would have to undergo to, to remain viable. Um, it, it just wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. So, again... Mm-hmm. Uh, more fear stuff and then especially you know when you're talking about catching it off the doorknobs and everything else now there are living creatures that exist within us that are uh, roughly the same size as a virus which is about 0.01 microns Um, in German medicine that I studied uh, you know at the beginning of my bioterrain medical career Mm -hmm. um, those uh, organisms live inside of us they're they're you know protein structured and they very small kind of fit the bill of a description of what the virus theorists you know uh, project out there and uh you know when you look under the microscope and you see blood that's just teeming with these little sparkly lights which is what i see under the microscope then you know you've got healthy blood Hmm. and also uh, these guys you know when our terrain our internal ecology goes south then they progress into different forms that become uh scavengers that will eat up diseased and you know um um, inflamed tissues Mm -hmm. they'll also uh trigger reactions in the body you know that will create stem cell production all sorts of good things manufacture solvents to cleanse the body to regenerate new tissue so, uh, wow. you know, biology as uh, as um, designed by our creator is brilliant and it's all uh, not just benign, but uh, absolutely essential to life and longevity. And, um, you know, then, of course, the, the great inversion is to make those into pathogens, you know, as far as the narrative, so that we're basically afraid of ourselves. Because if you look at the human body inside and out, uh, we're teeming with these microorganisms that are our little ecobions, as, which is what they called it in German microscopy. <clears throat> and, um, you know, they outnumber the trillions of cells in our body about 10,000 to one. So we're a walking Petri dish. And isn't it fascinating that they've got us afraid of germs? Yeah. So... What word would you put on these eco? What did you say? Eco. Uh, a word for these creatures? Eco biance. Eco biance. Yeah, biance would be you know biological organisms okay. that are friendly and are little helpers inside hmm. our body. Are these any relation to this term we began hearing early on? Exosomes. They look like viruses. Similar. Well, exosomes are. Um, 
normal cellular processes that are triggered uh, by many factors and also by these organisms. So the cell will in the cell membrane, um, and I use cell membrane loosely too because what I learned in medical school about cellular membranes isn't just, necessarily just true right. either. <laughs> Cells work differently. It's not this encased envelope. It's it's mm. a gel and you know that gets into another fascinating story and really enlightens us as far as how nature really works. But uh, it will invaginate uh, in what we call an endosome and then that will kind of pooch out into what we call an exosome and then the exosome will release all sorts of goodies into the plasma that then um, trigger all sorts of beneficial regenerative processes, uh, you know, that help the body stay healthy and regenerate itself because the body is a self-maintaining, self-healing mechanism. And uh, age itself is a disease uh, Mm -hmm. that is not part of natural design. And the reason why we age is first out of ignorance because it's very deeply ingrained in our belief system. And then, uh, you know, beginning there, then, you know, we're subjected to all these other, not just indoctrinations, but real, uh, you know, biotoxins that start to, um, you know, accumulate in our body. And if you follow the Chinese uh, understanding of the six stages of disease, which was then later verified by German medics, who called it the six stages of disease. Uh, these uh, toxins, when we're first exposed, will be eliminated during normal, you know, upchucking mechanisms in the body. You know, where, you know, body just gets rid of them. But then, when we're overwhelmed, um, then it goes to the next stage where we have to have an acute reaction, which uh, we might call the flu or mm-hmm. a common cold. Mm-hmm. And in the old days, you know, before we're inundated as much, you'd have your seasonal cold flu, which is no different than in the winter time. You know, you look out your window at nature and it's composting everything. So our bodies will compost stuff, get rid of it. And then when it eliminates it, we have flu symptoms. And then, of course, our brilliant medics call that you know, a flu virus. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, then if it goes to the third through the sixth stages, if uh, we're still overwhelmed, you know, now we start getting repetitive flus, not just, you know, and reactions, you know, on our skin, everywhere on our body, you know, uh, uh, the complete taxonomy of disease as understood by medics uh, has uh, very uh, easy to understand reasons why those are, tissues are just doing their best uh but you know in the process creating symptoms that then we you know categorize as a disease and then uh you know if those attempts uh don't work then uh the the toxins become tattooed like literally pigmented in the tissues they become part of the tissues then you start getting cellular dna changes and then you know finally you start getting neoplasms and things which aren't at all diseases either, uh, you know, well, uh, properly understood. It's the body's uh, attempt to create cellular mass in order to stop fermentation, bring more oxygen into the situation, and really try to clean out these pockets where the body is intelligently sequestering these uh, things so they aren't just running amok systemically. Uh, but then, of course, you go to the doctor and you get a diagnosis and then they throw more toxins in you that is the final uh, death sentence. 
So you've just explained very eloquently the uh, um, the healing process and what and what what goes on. And that the six wow, that's just so cool. Now, so then these little helpers that are in there are they always they're always trying to do whatever they can to get rid of the damaged tissue or the toxins or whatever, right? Right. And do they then excrete waste products too? that have to be cleaned up? They do. You know, they're little kamikazes. Yeah. They give it their all, and when they're engorged, you know, when they go to, um, you know, you roughly there's 16 stages from the protid uh, seed forms that we mentioned in a healthy body. Wow. And then they'll progress into uh, three stages of bacteria, and then finally in the fungal forms, you know, because they need to take on that morphology in order to do their job. And uh, once they give it their all and, you know, are stuffed with all these things, uh, you know, then then they need to be expelled from the body. And that's why, you know, uh, folks that are new to alternative healing, uh, you know, they'll maybe put people through detoxes and things and mm-hmm. maybe not done properly where they'll get, um, you know, too much of a die off all at once. It can produce more symptoms. Uh, and if a person isn't ready for that, then, you know, it might complicate things. That's called a Herx, uh, Herxheimer reaction. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's a little bit of a, an art and a science when you're practicing good medicine. A real art, right, to, to try to see where the, where the patient is at any time. And, and you've got the goods or the, the equipment to try to figure out where they are in the process when you work with people. Um, exactly. We do, uh, you know, I'm, I'm retired, but I'm still very res- much research oriented. So with all the, the different modalities, everything from microscopy, where I could actually see, uh, you know, these things alive under the microscope, which they don't teach in medical school, you're just, uh, you know, taught how to use fixating agents, uh, you know, when you're looking at tissues and plasma, and then you, you really don't get an idea of what things uh, look like in real life or how they function, which is most important. Uh, we do um, uh, a lot of in-house labs that look at things much differently than conventional labs where, you know, conventional labs, you always looking at these markers and then a computer spits out, you know, certain titers of these things and says, okay, now that uh, categorizes you in this particular disease syndrome Whereas we look at things much more dynamically and, you know, uh, look at things in ratio relative to each other and understand on a functional level why certain molecular chemistry is doing things. But more importantly, understanding that molecular chemistry uh, is what's going to dictate the electrical currents in our body uh, and produce a line of resistance in the body that is either conducive to health or conducive to um, you know, rapid aging and, uh, you know, to our detriment. And so uh, good medicine then is understanding we are electrical first and then so using molecular chemistry in order to tweak the electricity. And just like we do here on the farm, that means you don't have to take or do as many things if you know where to tweak things perfectly. And then, of course, uh, you have to be able to go to all the subplanes of uh, a person's being which mimic the 
layers of the ether that the old alchemists understood as those factors in nature that precipitate matter, including our bodies, you know, in the four kingdoms of nature. And, um, and so when you can measure those, that little microcosm in the body, you can go into the mental, the emotional plane, the vital plane, the physical plane, and all the subplanes in between and surgically identify where there's imbalances with a lot of techniques, including radiesthesia, neurological based muscle testing, <laughs> kinesiology, and, 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 and just like working the body as a biocomputer, isolate those things, prioritize them, but more importantly, uh, make them vulnerable to treatment. So when you use a particular end treatment point, whether it be acupuncture, osteopathy, homeopathy, spagyric medicine, uh, any of the above, you know what tool to use at the right time in order to make a real-time instant change, and then you move on to the next thing, the next thing, and the next thing until you have the breadcrumbs that take you back to the source of how that person got in the pickle in the first place. Wow. 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 I'm sure there's just a lot of doctors on every corner in the city that know how to do what you just said. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and everything I just said would be easier to understand and easier to learn than all the, the malarkey that That's we have to go through wow. in our MK Ultra medical training. Mm. Bear Paul uh, Londo is with us. If you care to join us, wow, fascinating. Isn't that cool? Triple eight six six three sixty three eighty six. Email Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. We are live here Tuesday morning, the twentieth. Um, so, is it fair to say then that there, as we walk around in Dripping Springs or wherever or up where you are, that there really isn't anything a living thing out there? that's trying to attack us. Is that fair? Very accurate. Yeah, well said. Except the government. Why would a creator <laughs> create evil? Yeah, well, well, exactly. To attack his own creations. Yeah, that doesn't even make sense, does it? Why? No. <laughs> Nothing. Zero. Man. Of course, as individualizations of the creator, we have a free will prerogative to, you know, go outside our lanes and just for the heck of it and see how bad we can screw things up. Yeah, which we've all spent lifetimes doing, probably. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Do we have any idea? I guess we don't. Probably, probably a dumb question, but I'm a talk show guy, so I ask him the impact of uh, of thinking. Um, thoughts of fear and angst and uncomfortableness and uncertainty and all the things that go on with the mind. It's just its very difficult to understand how much impact this is having on the tissues in the body, isn't it? We're, you know, kind of coming in the mainstream to a point where the average person is at least acknowledging that maybe how we feel and think about things might have some mm -hmm. relation to our lives. Yeah, that's, that's but becoming more awareness. Really jump, yeah. yeah, but if you jump more into the science, um, you know, and study, you know, all the great minds that include people like Walter Russell, you know, you understand this is, again, just like our bodies are a microcosm 
of uh, this. Uh, we live in a electric universe, and that's not just a buzzword or or some cute little uh, you know kind of terminology. And the only thing that can produce electricity in the electric university uh, universe is thought. Hmm. So every thought, um, you know, creates a polarization of electricity, which creates a resonance that then give, that then filter through the ethers. It's you know another whole discussion. And when you understand the layers of the ether the way the old alchemists did, you understand how electricity then has a coagulative effect until it reaches the south pole on the earth realm here and then grounds in and creates all that we think is real which is actually just uh, kind of a moving light show it's literally a, a movie if you understand the forces behind it so uh the point is is every thought is a thing and it has very real consequences and then as that thought goes through the water element of the ether which is associated with oxygen um, that's also uh, in our own etheric layers of our body uh, you know known as the astral or emotional level and then if we have strong emotions attached to any belief system that gives uh, the thought the electrical uh, original electrical vector based on a belief system the velocity to materialize sure thing on the emotional plane so the um the controllers the wannabe controllers of this realm uh are always very careful to attach strong emotions to their little thought bubbles and even though the thought bubbles 99 percent of the time don't even make any sense because it triggers a strong emotional response it's they then are allowed to achieve their goal of having us create their reality because, uh, you know, we walk around, uh, you know, emotional about everything without having any logical thought processes uh, behind why we're getting emotionally triggered in the first place. Yeah, to think, is this real? Do I want to think about this? Is, is this worth my time? I mean, all, just critically thinking about what we're thinking. <laughs> right. Hmm. Yeah, if, if we really truly understood and we're taught this throughout our whole lives as far as how things really function because we live in a functional realm mm -hmm. we're not on a spinning ball you know this is a functional realm and in that functional realm with that understanding you would no longer uh dwell on um a negative thought or a toxic emotion any more than you'd put your hand on a hot burner on the stove you just we just you just know better you don't do it yeah. but but this is the planet you know we, we're all homer simpsons walking around just going don't don't you know and just keep doing the same stupid thing over and over again yeah you know what really helps, and it's you know go ahead yeah. no, go. What, what really what really helps me once i understand that there is no future or past and it's just so simplistic for me is that if it's just now for me to to chew over something in this now is just a waste of time. I mean, why why would I even do it? You know, you know what I mean? It's just like, where are you gonna go from there? Uh do something, do anything. You know, I just pet my dog or talk to God or, or and then 
something else will come up, right? I mean, it seems simple to me. Exactly. Yeah, it, it seems simple to me, but I'm pretty simple, simple kind of guy. And, and again, understanding the science behind it, it's really you know, fun, when yeah. you understand the principles that we're talking about, you know, as far as how electricity, uh, um, you know, imprints on ethers and creates matter. Well, that is uh, the compression part of the toroidal cycle. And, you know, if you look at this earth realm, it's a toroidal field. Mm. And so all of the original design of the creator and those beings, you know, that, um, you know, created this realm, um, those um, original thoughts, those ideas, that blueprint are data that compresses down and, you know, through the ethers and creates the matter. But then there's a simultaneous um, radiation cycle that takes that compression of data and goes up in the opposite direction. And that's what you, uh, you know, how you create that toroidal field. And, you know, we, we see some graphic depictions of it these days, like on the Thrive movie and everything where you, you know, see this kind of donut, you know, with the mm -hmm. energy coming in and going back up. So the point of that is that when you understand yeah, the, the picture frame comes into our view in the compression cycle, but it is simultaneously uh, dispersed in the radiation cycle to complete the whole perpetual toroidal field to keep the movie going. Um, the reason why we have a time sequence in our belief system is because they've got us hypnotized on the external appearance world and now you're just looking at one half of the toroidal cycle and experiencing one half through our senses that have been erroneously programmed by our belief systems. And then that creates a sequential, um, you know, evolution or a timeline that uh, it really seems like there's a past, present and future. But if you can just, again, with a little understanding, but then especially not just in your intellect, but going in, mm. like you say, and getting lost in the moment of petting your dog or something, uh, now you're out of that, you know, one-way compression cycle. You're experiencing both sides of the toroid, and you're literally in the moment. And uh, the, the great benefit of being in the moment is it's impossible to drag your past around or project a bunch exist, of BS right? into the future, <laughs> so it can't be created. So that's why they have to keep the new cycle, you know, constantly, you know, projecting all this stuff so we stay hypnotized into the world of appearances. Yeah, yeah. I've often thought about, you know, come back into my body in the morning and it's just like, just kind of me and God and just, ooh, just amazing. And you have a choice. I have a choice of what I want to be at that moment, you know? Do I want to just be Patrick like I was yesterday? But that's just an illusion, too. I can just be something new, right? Just, just every moment. And I think, for me, I got trapped into so many times, and I think people do, where they wake up and they say, okay, well, I have a low thyroid, I got this, and I got this, and I got this. You know, what am I going to do from that here? Well, we have the opportunity to just start fresh because none of that exists unless we think it does, right? And we can just believe we don't have anything and start from that perspective. I know that seems a little yep. weird, but that's that's what I do, you know. And, and of course, they've even inverted the sleep-awake cycles because when we think we wake up in the morning, we're actually entering the dream time. 
And when we're asleep out of our bodies, you know, during the night, we're in our real authentic selves. So, of course, that's been twisted. So we say, oh, this is real. And of course, the, the <laughs> big thing that they keep us attached to everything with is the fear of death. Yeah. And if we understood what death was, we'd understand it's no different than leaving your body and sleep every night. So just, if you really want to buy, you know, their whole lie, you'd you'd be afraid just to close your eyes and you know put your head <laughs> on the pillow at night. So that's a great point. So it's important to realize that when I come back into my body, when we come back in, that this is just another dream too, as well. Right. This is not what we call real. Right. So but when we leave our body at night, and maybe we're in other realities, whether it be causal, astral, so would it be proper to say it's more real? or is, That's not even a good term, is it? More real than this or more authentic than this? Well, you're again, you're more into your authentic self, which is projecting your form and your world your experiences during the so-called awake time right you know you're not attached in that way now we have dreams in that realm that are ways of you know that the psyche processes what we're um you know uh experiencing in the dream time but most of the time we're literally out of our bodies that's when we're doing our real work that's when we're in the realm where we are the creator in the first place and that's why it's real important before you go to sleep whatever your belief system is about uh who you are uh who the creator is or yeah. how this realm functions to literally have a few words with that level of intelligence and program what you want to not just experience while you're out of the body but also demand, you know, decree that when you awaken in the morning, you're going to have very clear recall about mm -hmm. the instruction and what you experience when you are not within the matrix. Yeah. So do you experience um, different entities or teachers or masters or anything like that that, that you work with particularly? I do. Um, you know, when you start discussing these things, it, it can start suspiciously, start sounding a little new agey, which I'm not inclined to do. But uh, I am uh, thoroughly convinced <laughs> beyond any doubt that there is a hierarchy of intelligence. And as we um, come into this realm, embody, re-embody, we do have guides. We do have good folks on the other side that are watching over us mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when you get a little bit more clued into their presence, you can have a very good two-way discourse. And it's not at all um, suggesting channeling or any of that kind of stuff where people are just tapping into the psychic realm, which is the human garbage dump. But, you know, you again, understand that there's a, a real clarity that can be had by the anybody if you just, you know, practice and tune in on this level, then that becomes more real than the dream time. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I know for a fact if if I did not have those that help, you know, on the other side of the veil, um, 
I probably would have been toast a long time ago. You know, in the Ascended Master teachings, they tell us that the average human in this realm right now would not live past the age of 12 years old unless they were uh, completely working on our being and our bodies just to give us a few more years to try to, you know, connect the dots in any particular <laughs> embodiment. That's why in, in the old Asian cultures where you had the very advanced, uh, you know, people that were in the temples, uh, the Shaolin monks and so forth, mm -hmm. and martial arts was just a discipline to, you know, uh, debug the mind from false beliefs and things. Um, they would uh, be taught in, you know, arduous practice for many years in order to prolong their life even for hundreds of years so that they wouldn't have to suffer the periodic amnesia that requires that they come in, you know, over and over again, uh, deaf, dumb, and blind. And then that was the way that they um, got off the wheel of karma once and for all, uh, just by, you know, having that experience and getting that understanding from being in an uninterrupted flow of consciousness. I want to talk a little bit more about the time thing and then, and how that works, and uh, we'll do it with uh, Bear uh, Paul Lando. Um, I'm going to take a little break here, okay, Bear? And uh, happy, happy um, summer solstice to you. I mean, oh, you look like you're experiencing. Oh, right. happy, happy uh, summer solstice summer, to you. Yeah, tomorrow, uh, right? Tomorrow. My favorite time of year. I bet. Go ahead. Stay right there, uh, Patrick Timponi and Bear Paul Lando. It's Alphabetic.com. We're going to tell you about some of the cool things he has on his his website on products. He's got some really cool stuff. And then we're going to tell you about it. He's got some teas that'll just, um, to live for. I never did like that idea when people say to die for. I wouldn't say that. But to live for. He's got some teas uh, to live for. If you like to um, have some a product that can help you with the, um, the electromagnetic fields that are flying around, this is a really good one. It's out of Australia one of the ones that we promote. Previously, we were talking with Brandon about the Blue Shield EMF device, and he says it goes out 90 yards in all directions. It's an omnidirectional field that, if you think about a huge sphere that's expanding, that's that's essentially what the waveform pattern looks like. Oh, that's cool. So it's putting frequencies into the body, and then how does that work in relation to electromagnetic field that's coming in in the walls and the windows through a cell phone tower down the street. Yeah, so the cell repeaters and Wi-Fi and all this electromagnetic radiation in, in, the, um, in the environment, people mistakenly think that this is somehow going to act like a shield and block the radiation and make it not appear on any kind of tri-field meter or any measuring device. And that's simply not the case. It's more of a, an energy medicine, so to speak, where it's it's stimulating the bodies at the cellular level to create a cellular response to make all the individual cells much stronger and more able to adapt to the EMF stressors. So that's number one on the physical or the somatic level where the body is experiencing a decrease in stress from electromagnetic fields. If you're interested, you can click on the Blue Shield ad on the front page of One Radio Network. Use promo code One Radio or also contact Brandon through his website there when you click and he'll give you more information. Front page, Blue Shield, EMF protection device on OneRadioNetwork.com. Yeah, it's a really nice company, and I've known Brandon forever. You can also get this little guy. This is a uh, portable you can put in your purse or pocket. You kind of charge it up with a, 
in your computer. And uh, this is cool. So you go in the city and it'll uh, maybe give you a little bit more juice when you're uh, running around all the cell phone towers, crazy things like that. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about Pearl Sam before we go back with Bear. This is a, uh, the lady, Dr. Rulin Shu. She was born in China. And she knew at an early age that she wanted to do a product from Pearl, which is really, I mean, she tells the story. It's amazing. And then she, uh, quantum physicist, PhD, very smart gal. And um, she came up with a, a way to take Pearl out of real oysters. I mean, you know, living oysters and Pearl and kind of um, smash them up in a, in a very elegant way without messing with the cellular matrix and then you can use this to brush your teeth. And this is what we use to brush our little toofies. And it actually helps the bone to, to, uh, to grow, and the teeth are, are bones. And the reason your teeth look so nice with this is because it, it uh, actually works on the teeth and you know, makes it harder. And she explains that that's really what gives the teeth um, the color is the light shining through the surface of the tooth. And it's not like bleaching it like, and you look like Tom Cruise, which is great. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? It's just a difference. It's not a white, it's more of a pearl thing. And that's really why it's called Pearl Sim. And it's a great product. And you can also take it internally. And this little calcium, heavy calcium with other target proteins and other minerals is the only kind of calcium, kind of juicy product you'd want to take. And this won't end up in your arteries, but it'll go into the bones. It's Pearlsium uh, from OneRadioNetwork.com. Click on it. And also, uh, I just, every now and then, I, I like to remind people, oftentimes, not often, but sometimes people will just go right to Pearlsium or Sithrival or all the other people we promote and just order from them. Please go, go through our website, uh, will you? Because that'll give us a little, a little juice. You know what I mean? A little commish. And that's how, that's how we support ourselves here. Uh, with the commission thing. And uh, so that's, I appreciate it if you do that. Previously with cardiologist Dr. Joel Kahn, 35 years experience in cardiology. On your commercial break, you hit a hot button because I'm a giant fan of infrared sauna and the cardiac benefits. Tell us about uh, why you like these saunas for the heart. What does it do? In Japan, it's a traditional therapy of heart disease to even sick heart patients to sit for 15 or 20 minutes in an infrared sauna, then lie down and rest and hydrate for about half an hour. They call it WAON, W-A-O-N, it means soothing heat. And they've done research studies, like 30 of them in humans, anti-ages your arteries and improves the strength of your heart, and it may actually prolong survival in sick heart patients. Anybody can just, again, go to the Internet, read about infrared sauna heart disease, or put my name there because I've written many articles about it. Now there's data coming out of Sweden and Finland because they've published some amazing data that number of times a week you're in a sauna, number of minutes each time, you can just track out how long you're going to live. So very powerful therapy by being in, my favorite is an infrared sauna. Well, I don't know about you, but if the heart muscles and the arteries are happy, things are good. Very important. We promote the relax, far infrared sauna. We do, Bratchik, and I'll just interrupt you a second. And... Uh, we we played a thing for you from a one of these guys on TikTok. He was a really cool uh, a scientist type, and uh, 
a psychiatrist and physio- physiologist, and he was going through the whole thing about the same study that we talked to here, and it, it was really amazing. He wasn't selling any saunas or anything, but um, of how the more saunas that one takes, and this is in, out of Europe in the week, the lower their cardiac events were, the more that they did. Like if they did it three times a week or four times or five times. I'll ask Bear about that, why that would be. Just really crazy. So Mr. Hart likes uh, to sweat. Uh, check it out. Um, we we promote this guy, and we like it a lot. It's twelve ninety five delivered in the lower 48. And uh, we shipped one to New, uh, the Netherlands last week and also to Australia. So we ship them all over the world. And uh, no matter where you live, I'll, the only way to get this price or and no matter where you live, is just email me, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com, and, and we'll hook you up for the best price, and just tell me where you live, and, uh, and, and we'll do it. Why didn't that work? Oh, just because I pressed the wrong button. That's right. Broadcasting live, weekday morning, this is listener-supported One Radio Network. We're talking with Bear Paul Londo. He's up in uh, Alpha Vedic land up there in the beautiful northwest. So maybe, would you like another child? I could just come up and live with you. I mean, that would be okay, right? <laughs> We're open to adoption. Oh, you are? Oh, yeah, you know. I, I could work, you know, I could just. Dig, dig holes or something like that, yeah. Um, Boy, we could use that kind of help right now. Really? Wow. Here's an email for you. Dr. Londo, please stop making so much sense. <laughs> you, along with others, are pulling the curtain back on biological mysticism and those worshiping the altar of the Church of the Virology, and we just can't have that. In all seriousness, thank you for your research, experience, and delivery, and patience, and pertinent information that makes the reality of our existence on Earth so much less stressful. I'm looking forward to your presentation at this weekend's True Earth Solstice. Oh, Summit. It is bound to be incredible from Taylor. Oh, isn't that nice? So he's following you. You're going to do a True Earth thing? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I appreciate those kind of comments. You know, it kind of makes what you and I do here worthwhile uh, to know there's somebody out there that's uh, on the same page, you know, gives yeah. us hope. Gives so, yeah, True Earth uh, Summit uh, or Solstice. Uh, that's going to be a good get-together. I'm um, new to that group and uh, very honored that they invited me this year. So it's going to be kind of fun. And, uh, you know, True Earth, of course, is dispelling a lot of the mythology about what we've been told about living on a spinning ball, Mm -hmm. but not in a simplistic way that we live on some uh, flat plane floating in space somehow either. You know, again, uh, I always go back to the functional realm um, understanding because when you're uh, looking through all the lies, you understand that there's a real technological function and design behind everything we experience. And the real subterfuge is not, you know, about so much the shape, but what they want us to do, just like the virus thing, is to 
take our eyes off the ball so we're you know the globe heads and the flat earthers are hating on each other but when you understand how things work first off you realize their model is a not only a pack of lies but then you start to understand how things work and what i'll be presenting at the uh solstice uh event is exactly what we're doing here at alpha vedic um in order to practice good medicine learn how to grow medicinal herbs and good food and also how to concoct things in my laboratory by mimicking uh nature's processes um you know you have to know how things function and then in any of those endeavors you are able to make uh very effective medicines you're able to help people heal themselves and you're able to grow a lot of food and medicine in a very small area so we've created a prototype to do that uh to show that uh, with very small farms you know a number of them in any community you can get off the whole factory farming uh medical industrial grid and every community can uh achieve complete autonomy and be a lot healthier and happier in the process so wow. uh, you know we're a humanitarian foundation on the private side uh that is uh that is our mission mm. so it's so fascinating how you know the whole flat earth term came about um so so this this place would be just a state of consciousness much like it is if we go to the astral plane and live there right in our astral body it's it's just a state of consciousness isn't it so it doesn't really have to be anywhere i mean i mean you know what i'm saying it's like where would this flat there is plane nowhere to be there's nowhere to be is there i mean where would this flat plane be floating in a an imaginary space right but there is nowhere to be it's just it's you explain it cuz you you're, you know how to explain it. I, I know what I'm trying to say, but I don't know how to say it. Well, consciousness is just consciousness. And, you know, as the old, again, I always default back to the old timers because mm -hmm. I spend most of my time reading translations of books from the 1600s. And, you know, uh, you know when they were uh, able to share some real truth amongst uh, their circles of colleagues and then actually prove out what they're talking about in the laboratory and so forth, and uh, the scientists of old were all um, focused on one thing, and that is how to heal ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, now science is focused on taking things apart and blowing shit up. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's quite a, a difference of intention. So when you um, understand there's that only one thing that exists, which is pure consciousness, and how that, again, as we've already explained, creates electrical events that then create the appearance of, you know, our experience. Um, it's not at all to suggest that this is just, uh, you know, a non-event or it's not important because this is a realm that intrepid souls, uh, not all the souls in existence but the you know the fearless ones have um volunteered to experience because of the opportunity of the rapid expansion of consciousness when you take on the risk inherent in embodying in this particular realm 
Um, so it's, and that's the thing I think that we miss a lot of us is that this is an opportunity that we can't even imagine. And we did volunteer for it. Uh, sometimes uh, I look at my wife and ask her, did we really <laughs> want to come here? Yeah. You know, when things get really crazy. But, uh, you know, uh, when you kind of get the hang of what we're really doing here, it's it's something that we would cherish every single moment of it and not waste a single moment of it because, um, you know, if you squander this opportunity for too long, then you might just miss the boat in a very profound way. Yeah. And um, I like yeah. the term realm. It really, you know, resonates with me, this mm -hmm. idea of a realm, because... We can kind of imagine what a realm is. It just, it just is, right? It just is, and it appears that it, for me, it's almost like it's just a big hologram of just, and everything's connected. Maybe all, everything in the realm is connected at one. You think it's and everything is potentially affecting everything else. Yeah, and when you get into the science of waveform physics you understand how it cannot not be interconnected mm. and how every thought you think um by necessity has to affect all other part of parts of life and they all ripple into each other however wow. if you are you know more into a deeper level of understanding you simultaneously know how to stay in certain select slipstreams so you aren't you know, having to traverse through as much of the garbage that would, uh, you know, affect you otherwise. You know, it's kind of that old saying, be in the world, but not of it. Um, you know, I don't, of course, pretend to know anything other than through my own experience. Um, but when you get into certain fundamental understandings that anybody can prove through the practice of real medicine, real agriculture, and laboratory science, uh, you can mimic all of these things and then observe all of these processes on a functional level and then observe the results and stuff just works out way better. Mm. Bodies heal. Um, so it's uh, the idea you know, that if it's all grows. one, if it's all just God and we're all just, we can really imagine and see sometimes, which I have how thoughts and feelings and everything are just part of my body, right? Yeah. When we used to say uh, mind and body are connected, are connected, but it's, I think it's more, it's a better word, isn't it? What would be the word? It's just like it's all smashed together or something. It's, it's almost like it's all just on top of itself. <laughs> Again, it's one thing, one but then thing. when you understand the electrical vectors uh, that we put in play every single moment all of us collectively and individually then that creates all the characteristics on any of those projected waveforms that give its uh, distinct appearance and characteristics you know within this uh, realm of experience and then when you look at the unified realm you know the toroidal uh, you also see that as above, so below. So when you look at the constellations above us, we're not just into, you know, a superficial level of astrology, but you understand that those are real projections circulating around the stationary Earth that are 
projecting resonance. And that's why the old um, alchemists used to say, um, you know, that this, you know, when they were making their plant medicines and so forth in their spagyric labs, they say the plants or the medicine is in the stars and the stars are the medicine. Whoa. Because without those stars um, projecting that resonance, then those patterns would not be able to manifest on the ground in our bodies and the mineral kingdom and the plant kingdom that then we take in, you know, into our system. And then the minerals act as capacitors to bring in those characteristics that all start, you know, above our heads. So it's a, it's a, it's a seamless, um, closed kinematic chain, uh, you know, the way things uh, work in actuality. So, you know, when I'm out farming, I, you know, have to look above my head every so often to remember uh, maybe this is a good time to plant or not plant this particular species of herb because I know that herb is also taking on the characteristics of a certain uh, resonant field by, you know, one of those predominant constellations and if i plant at uh, a cycle you know when uh, that constellation is you know coming in more strongly into our uh, you know the south pole of our experience then that plant is going to thrive more it's going to pick up more mm. of that inherent resonance so then when i go in my lab and mimic the same processes to you know uh, create a medicine out of that then it's it's going to be more potent and it's not just this kind of superstitious thing. It's real science. And any lack of understanding of that, like in the pharmaceutical industry, it, you know, makes no attempt to even get off, you know, on step one of any of that understanding. It's it's actually very barbaric. Wow, that's just so fa fascinating. How is it, though, if, if, is it fair, Bear, to say that then our bodies would be just a thought, just more of a thought form. Is that close? Well, it's a collective of electrical vectors that, um, you know, not just symbolic, but uh, a literal representation of all of the beliefs and emotions Our and state things of consciousness. that we entertain. Right. And not just through this lifetime, but through all embodiments because you can't get away from your own creations and you know if you stay too long in any particular belief system then it's going to have that detriment to your biology mm -hmm. which is going to necessitate a little bit of a sleep cycle that we think of as death and then we come back you know and try to connect the dots once again and um, mm -hmm. you know until we finally get off the wheel get tired of get going spinning around and around. So wherever we stop and say this is the way it is for me, then it is until we decide it isn't, right? And, and right, this is the way. So I guess a lot of a lot of people along the way have stopped and started religions or whatever, right? They stopped and they said, oh, this is it. Okay, so let's do this, right? <laughs> um, and of course, religions is just a Latin term to re-enlist so when uh, folks are starting to go off the reservation, um, you know, one of our uh, great religious leaders will, you know, uh, you know, 
come into prominence and claim to have a special pair of glasses or something where he's the only one that can see the truth on a set of tablets or some such thing right, and right. and start a religion to re-enlist the folks back into being believers. <laughs> back into being believers. How do phys- 